0: The Basics of Chassidus, Chapter 3, Section 4, Reviving Souls, the Timing of the Baal Shem Tov. In the general context of Jewish history, the time of exile is analogous to a state of sleep. In parallel to the lack of awareness of one's self and environment that characterizes sleep, the exile causes a lapse of spiritual consciousness. The status of the Jewish people between the nations is demoted, and it is often a struggle to maintain Jewish identity and dedication to God. In the glorious days of divine revelation, when God's presence was clearly manifest in the temple, it was readily apparent to the world that, that the Jews were God's beloved nation. Additionally, the Jewish people benefited from a heightened awareness of the soul's intrinsic bond with God, and the natural pursuit was to engage in divine service. However, when the Jewish people entered exile, their divine consciousness began to fade, and the world no longer saw them as God's protected people. Although God has certainly not forsaken his people, his loving protection is often not apparent. Just as sleep jumbles reality into self-contradictory dreams, the Jews' place in the world of exile is simply paradoxical. As the lengthy exile progressed, the Jewish people became more dispersed and divided, and the acute sense of their unified identity was also weakened over time the state of sleep deepened soon becoming a heavy slumber the hardships of the time before the Baal Shem Tov along with the despair and division that resulted further worsened the jewish people's spiritual health their lives were devoid of the proper joy of divine service the masses were out of touch with their Torah leaders and the first winds of assimilation began to blow. This lack of consciousness of the Jewish people was compared to a deep faint. It was into this milieu that God sent the soul of the Baal Shem Tov. He brought healing, strength and rejuvenation to the Jewish people and introduced Chassidus, as a novel path of divine service. It was the revolutionary guidance and leadership of Rabbi Yisrael Baal Shentow that aroused the Jewish people from its faint. Unconventional Healing The imperative necessity of Hasidus was explained by means of a parable. Once there was a king who had a son, and this prince contracted an illness which left him critically ill. The king summoned all the physicians of the land, but none could revive the prince. Finally, one doctor said that the only cure for the prince was to take the crown jewel that was the centrepiece of the king's crown, grind it into powder, mix it with water, and then give the prince to drink from the elixir. The king was asked if he was willing to allow the crown jewel to be taken for this purpose, and, without hesitation, the king agreed. It was clear that the life of his son surpassed the significance of the gem. The crown jewel was taken, ground into dust, mixed with water, and a few drops were placed on the prince's lips. Slowly but surely, the life-saving elixir worked and the prince was revived and restored to health. Similarly, in the days of the Baal Shem Tov when the Jewish people's spiritual state of health was quite dire, a powerful elixir was needed to revive them. The crown jewel of the supernal king's crown is the innermost dimension of the Torah, the most sublime teachings Of Pnimiya Satura. Although its unique holiness caused these deepest teachings of Hasidus to be especially treasured and thus concealed, it was in his kindness that God allowed for it to be revealed. It was not the virtues of the times that deserved such unparalleled revelation. Instead, it was the urgent necessity that Hasidus be shared to revive the Jewish people. The revelation of chassidus would bring them healing and enable them to endure the last generations of exile. Section 5. The Path Towards Mashiach Chassidus as a Preparation for Mashiach With the early Hasidic movements bringing a spirit of unity, positivity, and loving-kindness, Communities across the region saw their physical and spiritual quality of life begin to improve. Ever attentive to their needs, the Baal Shem Tov focused on bettering the living conditions of his Jewish brothers and sisters. The Baal Shem Tov often met with his inner circle of students and clandestine Sadiqim, who were active across the region to coordinate organized efforts to enhance the welfare of the Jewish people. Yet the Baal Shemtev was not satisfied. Although their efforts were bearing fruit and much pain and suffering had been alleviated, the Baal Shemtev felt that this was not enough. From his perspective of seeing every Jew with a virtuous eye, the Jewish people deserved better. The Talmud states that Mashiach will come on the very day that the Jewish people will hearken to God's voice. According to the Baal Shem Tov, the fact that the Jews of the time were dedicated to God and his commandments, regardless of their level of education or the hardships they faced, was already more than enough. The Jewish people deserve the end to their suffering. They deserve the true and complete Geulah. Despite the deep slumber of the exile's night, the Jewish people were awakening, and the Baal Shemta thought it was time for the morning of Mashiach to finally dawn. With this consideration, it was in the year 5506, corresponding to 1746, that the Baal Shemta planned to gather his inner circle so that they would resolve to make every effort to actually effectuate the long-awaited redemption. A Meeting with Mashiach It was in that time period, on the second day of Rosh Hashanah, 5507, when the Baal Shem Tov experienced Aliyah hanashama, an elevation of the soul to the spiritual realms. In his since-well-published letter, the Baal Shem Tov details his ascent and describes how his soul entered the heavenly palace of Mashiach. There, the Baal Shem Tov approached the soul of Mashiach and asked, When will you, my master, come? Far from being a simple informational question, the Baal Shem Tov's question is understood to be more of an an impatient request. When will you come? If not now, my master, then when? When? Mashiach's response would surprise the Baal Shem and cause him to weep. Instead of gaining Mashiach's agreement that indeed the time had come, that his efforts had brought the Jewish people's virtues to four and they were ready for the Geula, Mashiach would tell the Baal Shem that things were not yet ready. Citing a biblical verse, Mashiach responded, Lich she'afutzu which means, When the wellsprings of your teachings will will be widely dispersed outside, then the redemption will come. Hearing Mashiach say that the wellsprings of Chasidus must fully permeate the world to cause his arrival, the Baal Shem Tov wept. Not flattered by Mashiach's reply that it was he, Rabbi Yisrael Baal Shem Tov, who merited to receive the wisdom which was the key to Mashiach's arrival, the Baal Shem Tov saw an extended process ahead. It seemed too far off. In effect, Mashiach informed the Baal Shem Tov that his work in revealing the Jewish soul, causing Jewish unity and inspiring heartfelt service of God was just the beginning. It was all just the initial step. Ultimately, the teachings of Hasidus are meant to be integrated within the people to a far Greater degree. A permanent redemption. The revelation during the age of Mashiach will be unique in that it will not be superimposed from above. Although it will be a time of change, the change will resonate with the world. Significantly, this can be seen as the cause of the Ga'ula's permanent nature. Simply stated, For any development to last, it can't just be imported from elsewhere. It must reflect the needs and the qualities of its local environment. Likewise, it is imperative for the final redemption to be in tune with the society it will impact. This is where Hasidus comes in. The connection between the God-centered wisdom of Hasidus and the Messianic age is that Hasidus is meant to set the scene for the permanent revelation up ahead. Without preparation, it would be a drastic change for a self-centered world to suddenly begin engaging in godliness. The prophecy that the world will then be filled with the knowledge of God would be too extraordinary to become a permanent routine. It would seem that Mashir's redemption is a sweeping reimagination of reality, something that at least some segments of society are surely to eventually reject, wanting to revert to their old habits. Therefore, for Mashir to be more than a passing trend, and for godliness to become the lasting focal point of the human experience, preparation is important. The broad dissemination of Hasidus is thus seen as a method to ease the transition from exile to redemption. It is how the world can come become, can become attuned with what Mashiach's revelation is all about. And according to this conversation between Mashiach and the Baal Shem Tov, only when Hasidus will permeate all areas, even the outside. Will the world finally be ready for the lasting redemption of Mashiach? To transport a spring. This idea is indicated in the term Mashiach used to describe Chassidus. L'chshiofutzu maya noiseachor chutzah When the wellsprings of your teachings will be widely dispersed outside. On a practical level, a wellspring is a water source a non-transportable location, from where the underground water flows forth. The spring is rooted in one spot, and it is the water of the spring that flows into streams and travels far and wide, but the spring itself is never dispersed. Therefore, if one were to describe the Baal Shem Tov's teachings, which are to be spread to far-flung locations, using the analogy of a wellspring, it would seemingly be phrased "Lich when the water from your wellsprings will be dispersed outside. The indecipherable portrayal of Hasidus as wellsprings which are themselves to be transported to the outside is to describe how the permanent redemption is to be caused. When water flows forth from a spring there is a trickle-down effect. Some areas are closer to the source, while others are farther away. In the context of sharing chassidus, this would mean that some segments of society would be able to gain more from chassidus, while others would appreciate less. The wellsprings of chassidus would remain rooted to their place, more in touch with some than with others. However... Tasked with setting up the world for permanent awareness of godliness, chassidus can't afford to remain aloof. Even the most distant locales cannot just receive a trickle from the wellsprings. The wellsprings themselves ought to be brought outside. Indeed, this would become the paradoxical mission statement of chassidus to plant the infinite into the routine. Chassidus accomplishes this by presenting an all-encompassing perspective relevant to all elements of reality. It displays the true nature of the soul, the inner potential of God's world, and the absolute relevance of Torah and mitzvahs. Such teachings have the ability to be more than impactful they can reframe existence around their godly purpose. The wellsprings themselves can be brought anywhere, and the world is happy to host. Once permeated with the perspective of Chassidus, all of existence can eagerly anticipate Mashiach's arrival because they will realize that fulfilling God's purpose is in tune with who they really are. Spreading the wellsprings. As mentioned above, the key words of Mashiach's reply, when your wellsprings will be dispersed outside, is based on a verse in Mishle, Yafutsu Mayanesecha Chutzah. This phrase has three key elements. Yafutsu, this means that the wellsprings are meant to be shared in a manner of hafatsa, a proactive effort, utilizing every opportunity. Mayan the wellsprings, this refers to the living waters of chasidus Chutzah, outwards. Each of these three words has specific implication. Number one. The first element, hafatsa, teaches us that a person should not sit enclosed in their personal four cubits and simply enjoy the teachings of panimius Satora in their own mind and soul. Rather, the task at hand is one of hafatsa, taking these teachings and spreading them widely, this also means to use every means of communication and every resource available. Number two, the second element s'acha, teaches us about the potency of chasidus. In Halacha, there are a number of differences between a mayon, a natural spring, and a mikveh, a gathered body of water. One of the differences between them is that a mikveh can only affect purity if it contains 40 saar measures of water, whereas a mayan has the power to purify with even a single drop of water. The reason for this is that the water of a mayan is mayim chayim, or living waters, which are not separated from their source. This analogy is applicable to Hasidus being that it presents how all of existence, the Jew, the Torah, the mitzvahs, and the world, are all unseparated from the ultimate source, God himself. Therefore, the teachings of Hasidus are considered to be true mayonais, wellsprings, possessing the ability to revive the weary and faint soul, and also to prepare the person and the world for the coming of Mashiach. Unseparated from its source, even a single drop of these teachings is potent enough to purify a person. Number three, the third element, Chutzah, outwards, has two distinct meanings. Number one, the wellsprings of chassidus are to permeate the outer less God-centered elements of the human psyche. And number two, the chutzah of the world, outside, meaning to the furthest possible corners of the world, both geographically and spiritually. This means that chassidah should be learned and lived in every location where Jews may find themselves. Additionally, Hasidah should be studied by everyone, even people who currently seem to be distant from Torah and mitzvahs. Indeed, it is the soulful character of Hasidus that has the capacity to awaken their inner spark of godliness and bring even the most misguided Jew back to Yiddishkeit.